Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining Kim and I today in the wonderful world of wine. We're here every week on WFPR 102.9 FM. How's everything going, Kim? Pretty good. How about yourself? It is going very well. Thank you. Wonderful. Our first topic today we want to talk to our listeners about is how to tell if your wine has gone bad. And and this is a pretty common question we get all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, my thing, and I hear this from family all the time, my thing is, you tell me if you think it's bad because you you drink that wine all the time. You should know, right? I mean, it's kind of a, a smart uh, reply. But honestly, I think that's the telltale thing, Kim. If you drink that wine all the time, you know when it starts to go bad, don't mm-hmm. you think? I, I would think that if you are, yeah, if you have like a favorite wine that's like your go-to, then you should know if it is tasting different than it usually is for you. I think that what's hard for a lot of people is say you drink something that is new to you or you go out to a restaurant and they, you know, offer you that first taste of out of the bottle. How do you know what that wine is supposed to taste like if it is something that you aren't familiar with? Yeah, you're not familiar with a certain style. You're tasting it for the first time you might think it's bad, but it's actually the style of the wine. This article was from the takeout.com. And I guess we can start by what are the the three main things to, to how to tell they go bad. They mentioned look, smell, and taste, which is obviously the progression when you're examining a wine. So what about the look, Kim? If you, you think the wine is bad, what can you tell by looking at it? Well, I actually think that we should back up a little bit and explain by bad. Okay. So it's not just a wine that maybe you don't like the taste of because there are some wines that are perfectly sound and taste exactly like how the winemaker wanted them to taste. You might not like them, but that does not make them a bad wine. We're talking about wines that have some sort of identifiable fault that, you know, often we'll talk often we don't like to talk about good and bad wines when it comes to the flavor or the quality, because there's such a broad spectrum of wines out there that have very different flavor profiles. Some are better made than others. Some, you know, are much more simple. Some are more complex. But when we're talking about a bad wine, we mean a wine that is not doing or not being what it's supposed to be. So if there is a fault in it, like maybe it's been open too long, or maybe it's been exposed to too much temperature fluctuation. Maybe it has, frankly, a like bacterial kind of funkiness going on in it. So that's what we mean by bad. We don't mean, you know, a wine that you don't necessarily like. We mean a a wine that isn't showing what it's supposed to show. So not typical of what that wine should be showing. Exactly. Tastes like. See, I like how we take a different take. Because my whole take on it was, it's a it's a wine you drink all the time. How do I know it's bad? And you bring in that insight too. So I, I appreciate that's a good view for. That's our why listeners. there are two of us. <laughs> so now let's talk okay. about so how to tell one. by right. looking at it. So just like when we do 
wine tastings, we like to see, okay, what is the color? What is the aroma? What is flavor? We kind of go through all those steps. And so going through those steps is also really a good way to see if your wine is sound or not. So often when you look at the color of a wine, you can kind of tell right off the bat if maybe it is, maybe it's been, the bottle has been open too long, or maybe it is on the older side. So if you were to have it now, it might not taste like it's supposed to taste because frankly, it's just too old. And a lot of this comes down to oxygen. So wines, like I like to say, wines are always going downhill to brown. So whether you have a white wine or a red wine, eventually, if you leave that wine in contact with air long enough, it'll turn brownish. So red wines get this like brick, tawny kind of color and white wines get really brown, like almost like a what's what's a brick brick brown. Brick, yeah, they both kind of go to brick or a, a golden color, I would say, for white wines. So if your wines don't look to be either a red, a more red color for your red wines and a clear pale gold, yellowish, greenish for your whites, then you might have a problem on your hands. I like the comparison, Kim, when you like bite into the apple and it oxidizes mm-hmm. that, that type of color mm-hmm. Very good. that it turns. So I, I don't know if we're confusing the listeners, though. When we're talking about the wine is going bad, are we focusing? on that this wine has already been opened, you've already had it, or is this something you just picked off the rack and you haven't opened it yet? So we, should we focus on one way or the other? I was thinking more this article is focusing on it's already something you had opened. Mm-hmm. How can we now tell? Yeah. Which and it's hard to tell. Definitely... It's hard to tell the color of it, frankly, if you haven't opened the bottle yet, Correct. because so many bottles are brown glass or green glass. Really, the only ones that are clear glass are are rosés these days. So yeah, so you kind of have to open it to find out if the color is going to show you that there's something problematic with it. And it doesn't mean if it has a little bit of that oxidation that it is bad for you. No. Oh, no. It changes the whole taste profile of the wine. It's still not going to hurt you. It doesn't mean it's technically bad. It's just evolved in a different way. And some people prefer their wines to have that little bit of extra age on them, especially drinkers of wines such as like Bordeaux or Chianti Classico that traditionally they've been left to age for a good long time because they were so difficult and frankly unpleasant to drink when they were really young. So some of these styles of wine have developed so that the the people who talk about the best qualities of these wines or the best versions of these wines tend to talk about the older ones. So for something like a Bordeaux, some people like them young, some people like them old. And that really is just a personal preference. So there's nothing to say that it reaches a certain point and it's good on one side of that point and bad on the other side of that point. Just like everything else with wine appreciation, there is a spectrum. So when you, if you see a little bit of that brown on your red wine, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is too old to drink or that it's not going to be delicious to drink. It just might be farther along in its aging than you might like or that somebody else might like, or it might be perfect for you. So I wouldn't take color just as the only indicator that something is wrong with the wine. So we looking at the color, it's looking a little dark, change color from what we remember it. Now we go to the smell test. We want to take a whiff of this wine and and check the aroma to see if there's anything different that we might remember for this varietal or this wine. And one of the things I always like to compare is aroma 
and bouquet. We've talked about this a few times. Usually a younger wine, you just get a general aroma of one or two fruits or some sort of profile. And as it ages or things evolve, you get more of a bouquet. So you're going to get more aromas coming into play. So this might be the case if you've had a bottle that was opened and you go back to it a couple of days later, it might not smell the same as Mm -hmm. when you first opened it. Mm -hmm. And that is completely normal. You know, that that is what happens when when you have a bottle open for a little while. And uh, I do kind of like this idea of comparing open bottles of something that you are familiar with, because it really can teach you a, a lot about the transition that wine goes through as it spends more and more time in contact with oxygen. You'll be able to see that color change. You'll be able to smell that difference and you'll be able to taste some of the fruit has kind of faded when we won't get to that yet, but it it is sort of an interesting experiment. So maybe, you know, the next time you have an unfinished bottle of something that you are quite familiar with, leave it open for a couple of days and see what you can notice about the changes in that wine. Typically for me on a, on a bottle I've had open for a few days, that aroma, it's, it's hotter and hotter to get the aroma out of the glass mm-hmm. as when you first open it. So you have to swirl a little bit more. You have to, you know, really work it to get some aroma out of it after a while. And, and if it was chilled, you, you might want to let it warm up a little bit to get yeah, more absolutely. aroma out of it. Yeah, over chill and especially a red wine. And I do suggest that people, if they want to extend the life of an open bottle of wine, regardless of what it is, put it in the refrigerator. So even a bottle of red wine, you know, if you have that open, you're not going to finish it tonight. You might want it tomorrow or the day after. You are going to preserve a lot of the flavor and the aroma of the wine if you stick it in the refrigerator. But then you do need to let your red wine come up <laughs> to room temperature or, or at least take the chill off of it a little bit because you're really not going to get anything out of those reds if they're too cold. They're just going to taste like nothing. <laughs> So that, that <laughs> those tannins chilling, aren't going to feel good. <laughs> the chilling process there is really slowing down the, the oxidation, yeah. correct? Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, it's why you put your leftovers in the fridge. <laughs> the exact right. same thing. We're, we're slowing down the, uh, the slow crawl to the death of the thing. So we looked at it. We smelled it. We're still not sure. The final test, Kim, to give it a little taste. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other things that you might smell in a, okay. in a bottle. All right. If it's especially if it's something that you know you're already familiar with, and you might have something that is very different from what you usually expect. And we've talked about corked bottles a lot. If you get like a musty sort of wet dog kind of basementy smell, that's not cool. So that is not a good bottle. But then also sometimes your wine. If you've got really problematic bottle, it might start changing to vinegar. And the transition step between wine and vinegar actually kind of smells a little bit like um, nail polish remover. So if you ever open a bottle of wine and it smells a little bit like nail polish remover or like really, really pungent vinegar, then that is also considered a fault and a bad bottle. So please don't drink it. (laughs) Again, it's not going to hurt you. Now now we can go to taste. Okay. Now we taste it. Should detect a nice fresh tasting wine. I mean, depending on how long maybe you've already opened it, are you still getting those, you know, nice fresh primary fruits to the wine? Or are you detecting any of those things that you smelled that you felt were off? What's your go-to tip on tasting it to see if it's bad? I think that it's a little more difficult to explain 
what you should be looking for for off flavors than it is for off aromas. I feel like off aromas really kind of hit you, but off flavors you don't necessarily know. And I think that the problem with it as well is that this the same words that we use to describe problematic flavors in a wine are positive words that we use for other styles of wine. So we often talk about wines that have gone off um, or gone bad as having, quote unquote, sherried flavors. But those are the flavors that you want in sherry, but they're not necessarily the flavors that you want in a Pinot Grigio. So I think that some of these descriptions are actually quite pleasant sounding. Like we all we always say you would look for roasted nuts or caramel or like a, a an unusual sweetness, something like that in your wines that have gone off. But then on the other hand, you're like, well, that that sounds kind of nice. Like you'd kind of want a dessert wine that has, you know, caramelized, sherry, nutty flavors to it, but not in your table wine. So if it's a flavor in your wine that is reminding you of a big, powerful, fortified, port sherry kind of thing. It's not something that you would expect in your glass of Oregon Pinot Noir or your California Zinfandel. So that freshness of fruit is generally what you're looking for. And if the fruity flavors are veering more towards like prunes and raisins and toasted walnuts and things like that, then then you might have uh, some issue with the flavor in your bottle. It still doesn't mean it's bad. It's just no. means it It could just be, yeah, way. it could just be quite on the older side, but not necessarily bad. And yeah, and I think you were focusing earlier saying, you know, these are definite signs of something that is bad, mm-hmm. you know, that musty or volatile acid or something like that. Yeah. But this is just something evolving differently. And I think the tip you gave early on, if it's a, it's a wine you drink all the time, sometimes it's fun to put them open them up and let them sit for a little bit and see what happens with them. And yeah. I, I know people who put things on their counter, they don't refrigerate it just to see how it evolves days later in, in the change and see what happens to the flavor. So, yeah. And you really can learn a lot. And, you know, even if you have say two bottles of the same wine and you open one and you leave it open for a couple of days and then you open the other bottle and you compare the fresh one to the one that's been open, it really will teach you a lot and have, I mean, we can talk about these things all day long, but the experience of it, is really what is going to teach you, the wine drinker, to recognize and understand these things. It'll make you a better consumer. You'll feel so much smarter at a restaurant (laughs) when you go and order a bottle of wine because you'll be able to really understand the differences between, okay, this is what, you know, a newly opened bottle should smell and taste like. Maybe this one's been open for a little too long. And especially if you're the kind of person who goes out to restaurants and really only orders wines by the glass, you'll be able to tell if that bottle behind the bar has been open for too long. And that is a completely legitimate reason for you to send a glass of wine back. If you go to a restaurant and you order a glass of Pinot Grigio and it comes to the table and it has that like goldish brownish color to it and it smells like these things that we've been talking about, that bottle has been open for way too long. They should open a fresh bottle for you. So you definitely should speak up if that were to happen to you. And typically, if we open a bottle today, Kim, what's the time frame? It's still pretty fresh, two two to five days, even in the fridge? It depends on the wine. I I have even had luck with keeping bottles open for a week in the fridge. It really, I, I cannot overstate how important that 
whole refrigerate your open bottle thing is. And I wish, I kind of wish I had discovered it earlier because I never really thought to do that, you know, really early in my career. And it really would have been smart to do, but now I do it all the time. You know, I always, always will put my wines back in the fridge. So definitely a couple of days or more. Any style you find doesn't last as long. Like for me, I think sparkling. Oh, sparkling. Absolutely. Definitely doesn't last as yeah. long. Um, I found that after a couple of days, whites that are lower in acid start to kind of fall apart. Something like Sauvignon Blanc that's really high in acid does seem to have pretty good longevity with keeping it open in the fridge. And, you know, it's surprising. I've had really good luck, even with, you know, inexpensive reds from like Spain and Portugal. Sometimes I'll have those in there for a week and I'll think, oh, you know, this is going to be really crummy after all this time. I'll just make sangria with it. Still tastes good. So I've been pleasantly surprised, I would say, more often than not by the just keep it in the fridge thing. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Kim and Mark. You can find more information about Mark on his website, franklinliquors.com, and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Our second article today is about a wine-based product that I have just recently discovered and have kind of sort of fallen in love with. How much Lillet do you sell or keep on your shelf, Mark? Any? I'm going to tell you, Kim, over the years, less and less. Yeah. I, I taste it, but it does not sell like it used to. And I'm, I was that was one of my questions to you. If this is something you see coming back, Lile, they say. Is that how you're supposed to pronounce Lille. this? I pronounce it Lile, Lille. but maybe it's Lile. Did I, did I get the pronunciation? No, I'm thinking it was always Lee, L-E-E-L-A-Y. Well, this article, which is in Wine Enthusiast, is saying that it's Lile. So we'll, we'll go with Lille. That's what I thought. That's what I yes. thought. You know me and my bad pronunciation. But so let's let's <laughs> just okay. say what the art says. Lille, we'll say Lille. Lille. But so I this, hear people say a, Lily, right? I don't Lille. know um, how long this product has been around for. It seems kind of old fashioned, I think. Yeah. Like it's one of those things that you would see on the back bar in an old movie or some period piece <laughs> from yeah. like well, the 1940s. Isn't the whole, I mean, this is a category of wines. It's uh, aromatized, right? Wine. Mm -hmm. It's a category that's really not uh, obviously a popular style of wine, but it goes way back to when like, you know, the Greeks, everybody way, way back used to put things in their wines, spices or whatever, herbs to, to make it drinkable. And that's what I always go back to. So, but this is a French wine with Bordeaux grapes right? in, in three styles, a red, a white, and a rosé. And it's pretty high alcohol. So it's uh, it's fortified, correct? Yeah, it's, it's a fortified. It's, um, it's, I think it's, got a, yeah, it's got a little bit of fortification in it, but it's only 17%. So the addition to it is fortified liqueurs, but they're flavored liqueurs. So that is what makes it different from just like a bottle of white Bordeaux. So it's really only about five percentage points of alcohol higher than if you were to get a bottle of white Bordeaux or red Bordeaux. But because of that little bit of flavored liqueur that they add to it, it changes the flavor, but it's still is quite reminiscent of the base wine. So I have a bottle of white Lille in my refrigerator because I, after reading this article, I really was intrigued. And I was like, this sounds like something I would like. So I found white, um, which is based on Sauvignon Blanc. 
Um, and it is very sort of citrusy, but it really smells like white Bordeaux. It smells like Sauvignon Blanc. And what I think is something that could make these wines or these products more popular again is that they're really great like cocktail bases. They're almost like we have all these things out there right now where it's like pre-mixed cocktail kind of things. These make really fantastic bases for a cocktail. Yeah, spritzes. Um, spri- yeah, spritzes, yeah. you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of Prosecco and bam, like <laughs> there's your there's your summer cocktail. So I've been experimenting with some things with my Lillet. So, so it's, let's uh, talk it's about fun. that, the white version. It's Sablanc Blanc mm-hmm. Simeon, which is yep. very popular Bordeaux white grapes. What did you, you said you mentioned uh, you got kind of the that Sauvignon Blanc flavor from it. Did you get any, for me, I, I got like more acidity and some vegetal quality from it, but more spice on the finish. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you thought of the white. Just, I mean, did you drink it on its own? I tried it straight first. Yeah. Okay. Just to see kind of what it was all about. I got more of like a, almost like a lemon, lime, orangey. Thing, I didn't really get the spice. No spice? No. But I did feel the heat of the alcohol. Yeah. And you made what with it? Did you make a martini or? No. So I, I made sort of a riff on a spritz with it. So I did the Lillet. I did grapefruit juice. I did Aperol and I did Prosecco. Wow. And it was excellent. <laughs> now, what would you, how much percentage did you put of the Lillet? Did you put um, in like uh Half ounce. I did Not two much, right? ounces of Lillet. Wow. So it was wow. like half of the drink. Wow. That's only 17%. Yeah. Well, most of the drinks I've seen <laughs> using this, it's equal parts. So that, that and, and that's of... what it kind of ended up being. It was like equal parts of yeah. Prosecco in Lillet with a splash of juice and a splash of Aperol. So they, they also make a rosé, which is Merlot, Cab, and a little bit of Simeon. I really want to try that. I want to I, find I recently tried that. Oh, how is it? And it's surprisingly light red fruit, you know, raspberries. Mm-hmm. Again, I got a hint of spice, more like um, almost a cinnamon spice. I would expect that from the red. You know, I, I will often get like a cinnamon spice from Merlot. So if it's a Merlot dominant blend, I would kind of expect that that spiciness. Yeah. And but the finish was like. I, I always use this term, but grapey. I got a lot of grapeyness on the finish. <laughs> okay. So it was fruity. I mean, it, it, yeah. was, it was good. I, and what about the red? Did you try the red yet? No. The rouge? Mm-mm. Rouge is Cab Merlot based, of course, again, Bordeaux. And um, this, again, I got like real fresh red fruits at, at first, but the finish was a more brighter red fruit with, with a, no real spice or or vegetal or anything in the red. So I thought the red to me was more wine than the other two. Okay. That makes and, now, sense. and now as far as sweetness goes for the rosé and the red, did it? Did they taste sweet to you? No. Surprisingly, no. no. Maybe it's yeah. because of the alcohol. Maybe. If that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't get too much sweetness in the white either. Like th- that fruitiness was there, but I wouldn't have described it as like a, a sweet liqueur. It's unique. And I, I remember years ago selling like, you'd get one white, one red in a, in like a gift set type of thing, uh-huh. but no one really looks for it. I mean, and this is the same category as vermouth. It's, it's a aromatized wine right. style, but vermouth is way more popular, but surprisingly we don't use vermouth for spritzers like we do this. Oh, and for, vermouth has that 
that bitter element that these don't have. And I think that if you are someone who likes to experiment with different drinks, with cocktails, but is also a really big fan of wine, I think that these would be really fun to have a bottle of, you know, one or two of them because they really can be quite versatile, you know, especially if you're kind of creative like I am (laughs) mixing some drinks up, you know, I feel like these would be very forgiving. I don't think that you're necessarily going to make something that's really, really bad. Like, I think that there are a lot of really good ideas that you could do about with fruit and, you know, maybe with some gin or some vodka, sparkling water, sparkling wine, throw a little soda in there. I feel like that there is a lot of opportunity and it might be a really cool, fun. I like the gift idea. So it's like, Ooh, I could do a bottle of this. And I did see a couple gin, a gin drink with equal pots gin and, and uh, Lille and then a, a Negroni, which you've talked about in the past, and then a martini. So basic cocktails that substitute and use yeah. the Lille. So I bet using the red in very a, a Negroni would be really nice. That was one of the suggestions oh. in the, the article. And the article was from a Wine Enthusiast magazine. So they keep up on a lot of the kind of trend. So I would assume they wouldn't be writing about it if it's not coming back in some Mm way. And they also said you could use this product for some sort of homemade infusions. What was your take on that? Like, uh, what would you use that infusion for to just put in the cocktail? But same thing, right? It's already that one. That one went a little, um, a little in a different direction because they were talking about infusing not just herbs, but also teas and then nuts. Like, I, I, I don't know. That, Lillet? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Which I think is different. You know, that's another kind of step. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like that's like making Frangelico or something, you know? Well, it seems like it's trending again and yeah. something. Uh, to I hope explore. it is. I really think that it, it's it's fun and it's delicious. And it would be, I think, really interesting to see some of these cool cocktails, kind of riffs on traditional cocktails made with this. It may be you know, in some some restaurant bars, see what cool and talented bartenders could do with something like this. And that would be really cool to have more wine-based things as, I think, part of bartenders' repertoires. When you were in the restaurant, did you have Lille behind the bar? Do you I recall? I don't recall. I don't, I don't remember any of our sort of regular cocktail recipes that included it. Yeah, I haven't seen it in too many places I've been for for cocktails. So. Yeah. And it is it, like you were saying, it hasn't been as popular lately. So it's a little bit harder to get your hands on. But if you do see a bottle of it in the store, I would say pick one up. Thank you for listening today to the wonderful world of wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine, and that's a great place for you to leave us comments and questions. We always love to answer people's questions on the air. So check us out. You can see our articles on our Facebook page, and we hope to visit with you again next week. Cheers. Wine, 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 wine.